0: And we're not really going to get there. Uh, maybe next week we'll get there, and so uh, I want you to look up above in the in in Ephesians chapter one, and I want you to look at uh, beginning in verse seven, and I'm going to read to verse uh, number ten. Look at verse number seven, if you would. It says, In whom we have redemption. We looked at this last week. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together all, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him. And then Brother Jim read the rest there, verses 11 through 14. And I want to look at just these these uh, couple verses here in verses 9 uh, and verse 10 this morning. And I want to look at this morning marks that glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I had written out a... Uh, Uh, Kind of an outline of this chapter, I told you. I've added to it. I asked Brother Davidson this morning if he had ever added to outlines as he went, and uh, he said, "I don't even know what you're doing." Uh, No, no, he didn't say that. He he said yes. He said (laughs) he said yes. And uh, if we, if you remember last week or last couple times, we started the verse. First part of Ephesians is is our position. It's in Christ. The second part, p- portion we came to in chapter one was our purpose, which was adoption. We are remember we are adopted into the family of God, which which is our position in in um in our place in in furthering the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. We have been adopted for that purpose. Uh, We have seen, thirdly, the purchase, which is redemption. We've been bought back. We have been purchased back. We are sold in sin. We are on the slave auction, per se, being sold into sin. And Jesus came and bought us. And then today I want to look at uh, uh, another P, if you will, uh, paternity. Our identification, some people take paternity tests to see who they are related to, and I want to look at this today uh, a- after our identification here or after our redemption, our identification with Jesus Christ now psalm one hundred and thirty nine the psalmist said this verse fourteen and six through sixteen you 're familiar with this, you know this portion of scripture. David said, "I will praise thee, for I am fearfully." And wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Now listen to what he says. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And now listen. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet... There was none of them. And I think that's kind of interesting how the the Holy Spirit of God here says this, that in thy book, all my members were written in thy book. I think of DNA. I think of DNA. It is a, it is biologists tell us that DNA is like a book. It's like a book. It tells us it's our entire makeup. Every living thing on the planet has DNA. And it is the, it is the program, Micah, per se, that, that tells us uh, everything about every living uh, thing. DNA, uh, by, like I said, the biologists call it, that say, they say that DNA is like a book. There are four letters in this book. There's only four letters in this book. The letter A, T, G, and C, it all stands for something. And within the book of DNA, all of the words are only three letter words. No, our DNA is a book, it is a code it is everything about us that gets put in place of who we are somebody wrote it this way the the letters the letters are the dna the words are the codon if you don't know this good i don't either the 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 sentences i just say this cuz there's some people out there that do know this the sentences are our genes the chapters are our chromosomes it is all like a book it, it it means little to me except this that DNA is connected to those we come from There's a connection There's a connection to our parents There's a connection to our grandparents. It explains our features. It explains sometimes uh, our hair color and our eye color and some of those things. It explains our traits. It explains some of our idiosyncrasies that we have and some of the weird things that we do that people go, why do you do that? You know, And maybe you could say, well, look at my DNA and maybe it'll explain why I do what I do, why we obsess over certain things and not other things, why we, some are, Minimalists and some are maybe hoarders. Why some are could be more on uh, the controlling side, and more some are just like, well, okay, sirrah, so sirrah, so what'll be, will be, you know. And sometimes we can look at DNA and our parentage, and you can say, oh, yeah, there's some weird connection there. What am I saying? Sometimes there are identifying marks in our life that connect us with those that came before us. Our son Philip really never knew his grandfather, Sherry's dad. And he is so weirdly like him. I mean, things that don't make sense, things like collecting trinkets, pockets full of trinkets. Uh, just dismantling everything and never building it back together again. Uh, all these, uh, his, well, even in, uh, some biologically, he looks like him, and the, the sinus issues, and all of these things are, are just, I mean, if you looked at a, the graduation picture from, Jerry, from Sherry's dad, from when he graduated high school, and Phillip's picture, the only thing that looks different is one's black and white and one's color. It is uncanny how similar they are. He's, he never knew him. He never really knew him. He couldn't have just. It couldn't have been just that he he was around him so much that he started to take on traits. What am I saying? There are identifying marks in him that connect to them. There are identifying marks in us that connect us to those that are before us. Right. Sometimes we don't like it, <laughs> right? And sometimes, sometimes we do. Ephesians one has been an incredible revelation of all that God has provided for us in Jesus Christ. Not only has he blessed us with all spiritual blessings, but he has also done something that connects us to himself. We're talking about DNA. Now I want you to notice here in these first few verses that God provides He provides for us in Jesus Christ, and He has provided for our now, and next week, Lord willing, No, or maybe in two weeks, Lord willing, we will look how He has provided for our future. But I want to look today how He has provided for our right now. We saw last week. I just said this. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been purchased back. We were sold in sin. We were slaves to sin, just as Hosea and Gomer and Gomer would have been on that slave auction. She had nothing left to offer, and nobody was putting a price for her. Nobody wanted her, and all of her lovers that she had left Hosea for wanted nothing to do with her. And there was no price given. God told Hosea, "Go and pay the price that's due. not not just not not make an offer." but pay the price they want. Hey, think about that and go up and buy her and he went and he bought her back and he would have most likely maybe possibly put some clothes on her and brought her home and it says he loved her as his wife and Jesus did the very same thing to us he paid the price that was due for our sin and he came and got us off of that sin block and that auction block and he robed us in his righteousness and he took us home and he has loved us and he loves us as his very own we have been redeemed why because of grace and grace alone. We have been redeemed because God wanted to, because God loves his creation. And once we were redeemed, God has provided for us right now. Look at some of the things that God has provided for us. Look at this here in verse number eight, where he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. One of the things that God has provided for us is wisdom. Now, listen, we think that the world thinks they have wisdom, and there is, yes, there is worldly wisdom, but we know that all wisdom, godly wisdom, is only from God. I mean, the Proverbs speak extensively about, about finding wisdom and getting understanding and, and buy the truth and sell it not and, and all of the, 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 the need that we have in, in finding wisdom. James 1 5 says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally, And upbraideth not. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit of God included that word, upbraideth not. That means he will never say no when you ask for wisdom. He doesn't turn us away when you come to him for wisdom. He'll go, no, not now. You don't need wisdom. If you come to God for wisdom, he's absolutely, I'm going to give you wisdom. He gives us wisdom. It's something that he provides for us right now. Look at number two, what he gives us. He gives us prudence. Prudence. That means understanding. That means moral insight. Uh, you, know, you, know, you, you see all through the Proverbs how wisdom and understanding go together. You have wisdom. Listen, wisdom is, 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 is the, maybe the, the ability to know what is right and wrong. But I contend Solomon had wisdom, but he didn't necessarily uh, have that inner strength to do what was right or wrong. With wisdom and the other thing we get is understanding. I like that. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. If you notice here, both wisdom and prudence only come from God and they are only available to those who are in a relationship with Him. Some of the benefits of being in Christ. Some of the things that God has given us, provided for us as we live our now, as we live our day-to-day life on a day-to-day basis. Thankfully, God gives us wisdom and he gives us understanding. Would you notice the word, though, here in verse uh, 8, before we get to these two words, where he hath abounded to us word. I like these little, these little words that God adds here. That word abounded means exceeding, overflow, to furnish so richly that there is abundance. Do you know that when you come to God for, a, for wisdom, there is never the, the bread lines of, of uh, World War II. There's never the breadlines that you hear about in, in Eastern Europe and Russia. You're never going to get up to the God and say, Lord, I need wisdom today. Oh... If you were just here three minutes earlier, we're fresh out. I'm just plumb out of wisdom. You're just going to have to go out on your own today, buddy. Hope it works. (laughs) I'll be praying for you. I'll be interceding, helping you out. Right? No, he gives abundant. Watch. He, He has abounded to us. So much wisdom and understanding He has abounded so much that in He has furnished so richly That there is an abundance Can I tell you something? It'll never run out You'll never go to God When needing wisdom When He's fresh out of wisdom You'll never go to God When you need understanding When He is fresh out of understanding Listen to me I'm telling you I hope you can really grab hold of this And understand this And it would cause us to, To immediately go to God On a daily basis Says for our needs of wisdom and understanding, it will never, never, never run out. Wisdom, prudence. Number two. Look at number three, though. What he gives us: the mystery of his will. Verse nine. And having made known unto us the mystery of his will, how many like a good mystery? How many like that game Clue? Remember that board game Clue, and you had to figure out it was Colonel Mustard with the with the uh, knife in the library, and and somebody opens a thing, and goes nope, wrong one, you know, it's still a, it's still a mystery, right? And so they're out, and you anybody play Clue? How many play Clue? That, that was a great game. You've never played Clue? You need to buy Clue. You need to play Clue. That's a good game. It's a mystery game. How many like mystery novels and and you read through and and you figure out who did what? I mean, the, the, the mysteries are great, but can I tell you, that's not this word mystery. This is not talking about something unknown. This is talking about something that was unknown to us, but always known to God. But he has just revealed it. The, you know the church was a mystery in the Old Testament? But it was always in the mind of God. It wasn't a haphazard, oh, well, that messed up. I guess we'll do this now. No, it was, we'll look at that later. I think we'll come into that in Ephesians chapter 3. But this word mystery here, he says, where he is a bounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will. So what was not known before, His will is now known. Why? Wait, hold on. Why was His will unknown to us before? Let me let me let me word it this way. When was His will unknown to us? When we were what out lost and outside of Christ? Okay, we didn't know the will. You know what the will of God was? Come unto me, all the ends of the earth, and be saved. That was the will of God that we knew. Come unto me, all you uh, we, uh, lay, uh, uh, labor and heavy laden. I will give, give you a rest. You know, look unto me, all the end of the earth, and be saved. I just said, all of these things, that, yes, that was the will of God. And that was, that was where the will of God for our life began and ended at that point. But once we came to salvation and to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, once we came into Christ, now, now we can know His will for our life on a day-to-day basis. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man, the unsaved man, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, not for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Why? For they are spiritually discerned. What are spiritually discerned? Well, the things of the Spirit of God. So if you have no indwelling Spirit of God, you can't know the things of, the, uh, of God because they're only known by His Spirit. So until you come in Christ and have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, you cannot know the things of God and His will. i got to give a little spoiler here as well. It's not a spoiler, it's a help. If you move on to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, here's verse 14, you go just a few verses, what begins chapter 3 and verse 1, you know what you find out also? The carnal Christian can't know the mind of God either. Why? Because they're walking in the flesh, they've quenched the spirit and that spirit, watch, the inner working of the spirit of God that helps us to know his will. When we shut that off from diso- because of disobedience and, and living in the flesh and carnality, well, hey, the same thing happens as a lost person. That's why sometimes you get so far away from God, you feel like you're, people go, am I, am I even saved? Well, well, yeah, probably, yeah, you're saved. You put your faith and trust in Christ, you're still saved. But you have quenched the spirit of God so much and you're living so much like you used to in the carnal life. It just feels like you did before you got saved sometimes. right? Spiritually discerned. But the the primary thing we're looking at here in our text is this. Unsaved people cannot know the will of God. They can't know that. And so you know what has come to us? You know what God has provided for us in Jesus Christ? We can know His will. We can know as Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that what is that good and acceptable, here it is, and perfect will of God. How many want the will of God for their life? Want to raise your hand? How many want the will of God for their life? Yeah. I believe that. I believe the majority of you in here, you're in Christ and you want the will of God for your life. Can I tell you this? If you are in Christ and you are walking with Christ, you can know the will of God for your life. And let me say this. Let me simplify this as well. I, I remember being younger wondering the will of God for my life and and it was almost like this... this um, this ancient uh, uh, Eastern Chinese karate movie when you're climbing the mountain looking for the hidden flower and grasshopper says you go here and you find this great unknown and you've got to the edge and you've found it. You know, it's like we found the will of God. It's like, can I tell you something? The will of God is just being obedient to the voice of God every day. It's that simple. If you will just obey the voice of God, you'll be in the will of God. That's all it is. It's not some unknown. It's not some weird thing out in the out in the, out out in the uh, out in the ether that you're trying to find some weird mystical thing. I like what Adrian Rogers said. If you really want the will of God, the will of God will find you. <laughs> I think I, I agree with that. Yeah. God has given us. Watch in Christ Jesus, we can know His will. The flip side of that is. Now we're responsible if we don't know His will. Because we can know it. Yeah, Maybe there's sometimes we've run away from it. But the point in here is that today is that we can know the will of God. God has a will for your life. He has a will and you can know it. And He, he has provided for our now. Look at this. Why has He done this? Verse 8. Because He's good. Verse Verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 7, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He abounded bounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will. Why? According to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. Two reasons, His good pleasure according to His own purpose. Isn't it good to know that God doesn't need any counsel or approval to be good? <laughs> How many of you ever bought a car? Yeah. <laughs> Sherry and I went and got, had to get our phones upgraded, new phones. I, I told the guy, I feel like I'm buying a car. Uh, we've been in here for hours. And he goes, yeah, people have said that before. <laughs> it's like, this is terrible. I have, you, I, I have literally been at a car dealership for six hours. And I'm like, can we just get out of here? And you know how it starts? Well, uh, you, you like the car, you like it, and you make the mistake of saying, "Yeah," <laughs> that's a mistake. And uh, and so it's like, oh, okay. Well, let's let's let's. I say, so you say, how much? Well, come on in and I'll show you. I'm like, do you have it written on a piece of paper right in your back pocket? Do I really have to? Because I, I know what happens. You get me in there and I'm dead. I'm in here for hours, okay? And I don't want to go in that building. <laughs> but uh, they get you in the building, okay, because you really want the vehicle, you know, it's right. And they say, so uh, what, what, what would it take to get you to take this home today? Well, this price right here. Oh, whoa, Wow. Wow, have you ever looked up the price of that thing? Boy, you're not going to get that. There is no way. No way. Um, well, that's what I want to pay. Well, let me go ask my manager. Right. So they come back with a close price, right? Right. And then I don't know what the dealership you ever use. The one I seem to go to always had a blue magic marker and they'd circle it in arrows. And now this one right here. And, and you know, it's, it's, I, I enjoy the game. So it's, I, I, that's probably why I'm there six or eight hours because I enjoy the game. And I'm like, eh, no, no, I, we said this. And, uh, well, well, if you did this, you sign right here. And if you, if, if my manager accepts this, would you take this? And, and you no, know, and you finally get around and they, Here's the final thing. you sign your name and they still have to go to the manager and they still have to come back and and oh, okay, we'll do the deal, you know, but they had to go back to the manager, right? All the markers and all the points and the back and forth. I don't know what goes on behind the Brother Joy could probably tell you. Maybe it's like, just wait this guy out. He's going to buy it. We're just going to wait this one out. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I I don't know if that's the way it is or not. I was at one dealership in a used car dealership in Republic. The guy come out. He goes, Yeah, here's the prices. If you have any questions, let me know. I'll be walking over here. I was like, man, I'm coming back here. I like that. This is great, you know? And so... uh Anyway, aren't you glad God doesn't have to go somewhere and go, oh, you need wisdom? Oh, you need understanding? Oh, uh, you need, well, hmm, huh. Let me go clear this. Let me go clear this. Let me make sure I can do this. Think about it God doesn't have to clear with anybody. Amen. This is great. You go to God. He doesn't have to get approval from anybody. He doesn't have to get anybody's signature on it. He doesn't have to have anybody sign off on it. He doesn't have to do anything that all that he has given us in Christ Jesus, all of the wisdom, all of the understanding, all of the mystery of his will and the will that we can know. He does it all because out of the pleasure of his own good will, because he wants to and because he can, and he answers to nobody but himself. I like Amen. Well no, that's confidence. That's what we have in him. That's why we can boldly approach the throne of grace. That's why we have that access to him that we have. If God had to counsel with anyone other than himself, now I had to write this down. Listen closely because I hope it makes sense. If God had to counsel with anyone other than himself, anyone else would be less than God and God would be getting input from someone else who is not omnipotent and omniscient and holy and love. If God had to get input from anybody else other than himself, it would be inferior input. I'm glad he, could you imagine? Let me, let me go ask Jim what he thinks about this. God wakes Jim up in a dream. Jim, Jim, your pastor wants wisdom. What do you think? And Jim would say, I'll authorize that. <laughs> and God would come back. No, listen. Could you imagine God come back? Yeah, me and Jim talked about it. We're good. Wait, you had to talk to Jim. Wait, what kind of God is this that he'd have to go to talk to Jim or anybody about it? Right? Yeah. Well, I'm glad he works things after the counsel of his own will. Right? If yeah, Amen. If hey, if God, if God, if God had put input outside of himself. Probably the outcome wouldn't be as favorable as God deciding it on His own. Could you imagine if God came to you and asked you what you thought He should do with one of your enemies? Yeah, you better be glad He doesn't do that with you. Yeah. What does He do? What am I saying? He provides for us now for this life. He provides for us wisdom, understanding, uh, the mis- His will, the under- the ability to know His. Will and not only does God provide for us now, but He provides for the end as well. Look at verse ten: that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him. Now, this is an interesting verse here that I want to. I just ask the Lord to help us to get through and give us if you want to pray for understanding go ahead and do that right now please on this verse you might want to ask god for understanding on this one this is a this is there's a lot here we're we're delving in uh, into a deep 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 book it's it's wonderful it's incredible there is a lot here but see here in verse 10 he says that in the dispensation of the fullness of time now before i get to that word dispensation i want to remind us that God is creator, and we know that. All of the Godhead was involved in creation. When God said, let us make man after our likeness and our image, he used the words us and our, all right? And i if you ask the Oneness Pentecostal what that means, they'll say, well, angels. I had one say, well, the angels, I guess. I'm like, oh, so angels have creative power. Um, well, I, you know, uh, there's a reason why there is us and our, is because all of the Godhead was involved in creation, which we know, according to John 1, that Jesus uh, created all things that were, which means he is God, amen, it's the divinity of Jesus Christ, so all of creation uh, God was involved in, all of the Godhead, all of creation was called very good, and it was Perfect. If you remember when God uh, called up Job, when he finally uh, began to deal with Job in his life, in Job 38 and ver- verses 4-7 through 7, God said this, Where w- Job, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Oh, this is a beautiful image when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. God is creator. And all of his creation rejoiced in, in being created and praised their creator for the creation that he that He had done. Psalm 24 and verse one, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. And God is creator and he created all that there is. And the one who creates, and we looked at this when we went through Genesis yeah, several years ago, the one who creates is the one who has authority over his creation. Yeah, why? Because he's creator. He's Creator, and although God has complete authority over all of His creation, we know what happened with Satan—that he got lifted up in pride, and he said those five "I wills," and essentially he was going to rise above the throne of God, and he was cast out of heaven. And he said it was like he said, uh, "He said I saw Satan cast from heaven as lightning coming down, and he was kicked out upon the earth, and he fell, and he was." But he was given authority over the earth; he had power over the earth that he had destroyed and from that day forward we would live in a world of sin and death and it's where we live right now. It is constant battle. It is a, it is a fight against sin and death. And eventually eventually though, in God's uh, time frame, at the very beginning there, God handed over to us the responsibility to manage His creation. Yeah. The fall. Man sinned, destroyed creation. And there came a point when God said that there would be this dispensation, right? That man, man would be responsible for being a, uh, the word I'm looking for, a manager or a steward of God's creation. What did he tell Adam and Eve? Uh, subdue it take control over it. He would make us stewards of this world. This is where we find this word dispensation. Dispensation. It's Greek word oikonomia. It means house rule. It's talking about a steward or a manager. Somebody who manages the estate of someone else. It also indicates, it is indicating a time frame. Maybe we could use the word in era, a time frame from a beginning time frame to an ending time frame. So, so it's like it's a period of time where an individual is the steward over another man's estate. Maybe you have a large ranch, maybe the king ranch down in Texas, 970 some thousand acres. Maybe uh, the kings would have hired somebody, probably not the Chapmans, they had their own big ranch, but they would have hired somebody to come in to be a steward, say, over this period of, we're going to, well, let me bring it down to the, let's bring it down to the Ozarks. Forget the, who cares about Texas anyway? Let's bring it down to the Ozarks. You go on vacation, you got a dairy, you got 30 cows that you've milked four times a day. Oh. For every day, you know, there's those out there, yeah. No, some have gotten four. And they're they're out there and they want to go on vacation, which really doesn't happen, but they do. And they find some poor young kid (laughs) and we'll pay you $10 a day to come milk for a week. From this period to that period, from Monday to Friday, you're going to milk while we're gone and we'll pay you for it. What is that? That is a dispensation where that young guy is the steward of that dairy and he's responsible for the upkeep and the maintenance and the milking of those cows. That was a dispensation. It's a period of time. It is when that young boy is now a steward or a manager of that. So in our text here, the dispensation we're looking at is, look at this, verse 9. Uh, you're going to have to stay with me. I'll... I, 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 Lord, help me. I'll come to bring this to a point, okay? But stay with me here. There's a lot here. That, look at that in the dispensation of the fullness of time. So the, the dispensation that we're looking at here, right? The dispensation we're looking at here is speaking of the fullness of times. The fullness of time. Fullness there means that which fills. It's speaking of a ship and its cargo. The ship being full of cargo. The fullness of time. Imagine it this way: an hourglass. Anybody still have an hourglass? Not that you use it every day, but anybody, for just for decoration. Anybody have an hourglass? Right? Maybe you played Yahtzee. Didn't Yahtzee have an hourglass? Boy, we're talking about games today. We got to play some games here. And but you have that hourglass. The fullness of time means it, it is when that hourglass has been turned over, and every bit of that sand is now in the lower globe of that hourglass. Fullness of time. It has been filled up. It is over. It's done. This is the dispensation that he's talking about here. The dispensation of the fullness of time. Now, although Satan has been given authority over this this earth and over this world, he's the prince and the power of the air. We know that. There is another dispensation upon us. We look at the end times the end times a place in history where we come to the end of an era the era watch where God comes and settles the books would you notice this phrase here having uh, verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one that is one word In the Greek language, that's one word for that whole phrase. That's one word. It means this, to sum up again. To condense into a summary. I know, you're wishing I would do it right now. That's what it means. To condense into a summary like you would at the end of a speech or a sermon. You're saying, let's call this the end and just summarize the thing, buddy, would you please? I'm going to, okay? I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. What is, what is being said here? There's coming a day where God is going to settle the books and he's going to sum up the entire redemption story. How does he sum it up? That they might gather together in one all things, look at this, in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. How's gonna? How's God gonna? So, we're talking about what we have in Christ. This is chapter one. If you're in Christ, what do you have? You 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 have peace with God and peace from God, right? You, you you we've been chosen from the foundation of the world in Christ we've been predestinated unto the position of adoption we have inheritance we have uh, parentage we have all of these things we have uh, we, we have uh, what we looked at this morning here redemption and wisdom and and understanding and the knowledge of as well we have all of these things in Christ Jesus and there's coming a day when God is going to sum up the entire redemption story in one person Jesus Christ let me say it this way in the Old Testament the saints of God put their faith in the word of God and they are saved just like you and I are today there's no difference oh I know there's some that have written books out there that look at two different types of salvation in the Old Testament another one in the New Testament Uh, throw them away It's wrong. It's unscriptural. Salvation has always been faith and obedience to the Word of God. It's always been the same thing. See, but in the Old Testament, they believed what God said, They by and by faith what did they do? They they brought the animal, and they, they shed the blood because God told them to, right? And they put their faith and trust in what God told them to do, and their sins were covered by the blood of those animals. But wait, they were waiting for the final removal of the sins, not just the covering, but the removal. What they were waiting for, and they did not really fully understand it, I can in the Old Testament, what they were waiting for was the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's what they died in faith, believing, and they knew it was going to come. Job himself, I just said it, what did he say? I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth someday, and though, he says, though my body is eaten up by worms, he said, in my flesh I shall see God. He knew that. He knew there was a Redeemer. The Old Testament knew that. They had placed their faith in what God was saying. And and the the blood of bulls and goats covered their sins, but they were waiting, waiting for them to be taken away. The New Testament saints, what do we do? We put our faith and trust in the Word of God. Jesus' baptism, what did the Father's Son say? This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. What did, we, what did Jesus say? You must be born again. What are we doing? We're putting our faith and trust in the Word of God, just like the Old Testament saints did. What did how are we born again? We, we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe what you said about yourself. I believe what you say about me. I believe that your work was enough. I believe the blood is sufficient to take away all of my sins and I ask you for that. Listen, it's the same thing. We put our faith and trust in what God has said. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And the moment we put our faith and trust in what Jesus said, our sins are washed away. Why? Because we're looking back to what was already done. So watch this. Both Old and New Testament believers have been redeemed the same way. Faith in the Word of God, redeemed by the blood of Christ. On the day that Jesus died and the blood was shed and was placed upon the altar and is accepted by the Father, every one of those sins of the Old Testament saints that were covered were taken away. No doubt, could you imagine the joy when Jesus came into paradise and took them? And said, it is finished. (laughs) What you've been waiting for is done. Let's go. We're out of here. Oh my God, that would be great. So watch this now. Watch real closely. Those who have been redeemed and have the forgiveness of sins, God has given to them all wisdom and understanding, the ability to know His will, that one day, watch this, when God summarizes the story when he condenses the story into, in just a, into a summary statement, all will see everything we have been blessed with. Watch. This is how God will summarize it all. The whole redemption story from Genesis 3.15 all the way through, God will summarize it this way. Jesus Christ. Old Testament saints, Jesus Christ. New Testament saints, Jesus Christ. What is he saying? DNA, DNA. Watch, we, we, we. Sherry and I were on this ferry one time. We we're heading over to Nantucket Island, and uh, the, the, the ferry was empty. A lady was walking down with her little dog, and she just sat down with us, and we just had a nice little visit. It's about a three-hour trip across, across there to get to the island, and uh, she began to talk to us, and she was talking about. Um, her, her work and I think we had asked her about that and she was retired and, and she worked for the Siemens Corporation over in Germany and she began to discuss uh, some of the things that she learned she married a German man and she began to tell us about some of the little idiosyncrasies of living, of what the Germans do and, and living in Germany and she said I went to go do, do my wash and I could understand enough German but I, and I could understand a washing machine I could not get this thing to work I couldn't get it to work I tried everything Nothing worked, and finally, somebody living in those apartments was down by the washing machine. And she goes, I asked them, How does this work? And they go, And they went around the back of the machine and turned the water on. (laughs) She said, It's so German. She said, Somewhere, somewhere down the line, somebody had, there was a water leak that didn't get caught. And so, what they do now on every washing machine is they put a second Shut a water shut off valve. So when they do the wash, every time the wash is over, they shut the water off yeah, so it doesn't leak again. And she goes, it was just the craziest thing. And she began to explain all of these weird things they do in Germany. And I'm going through my mind going, this is why my grandfather is this way. <laughs> this makes total sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. It explained all the weird idiosyncrasies. Expelling the reason why um, the yard had to be mowed one certain way. I'm not joking. You'll go up this way. Then you'll back up. Then you'll go here. Then you'll back up. The third time you'll go around the blackberries. And then you turn. I'm, I'm telling you. And he would walk with you when you mowed. It was all done a certain way. And after this story, it's like, I get it. It all makes sense. And my wife's saying, yeah, your weirdness makes a lot of sense too. Watch this, watch this. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. He might summarize everything up in Christ. Both which are in heaven and which are in earth. Even in him. Who's in him? Old Testament saints are now in him. Those who are alive, us today, that we're in Christ, we're in him. He's going to sum, summarize it all up. Now listen closely. God not only blesses us because he wants to. God blesses us with the same identifying marks as the Lord Jesus Christ. That one day the universe, here's what they're going to see. All that we have all that we are, all that we will be, are in Jesus Christ. Watch, our blessings, wisdom, understanding, right to know his will. What did Jesus say? I come to do thy will, O God. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. Right? And we, listen, we seek the will of God as well. Everything that he has given us, all of these blessings that he has blessed us They are traits that mark us that Jesus is our Father. They're identifying marks. You see, the redemption story is close to 6,000 years long so far. People are still being added to it. But at at the end of it all, when all who have come to Christ are come to Christ, at the end of it all, in the last chapter it's all going to be summed up with one name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You know, you know why you have those identifying marks? Because they're Jesus and you're in Him. You know why you have these blessings? Because you're in Christ and they're Him. Watch this. In all glory, all praise, all honor, all everything, it just ends up back at Jesus. It's all His. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all you creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's all him. Our identifying marks, those blessings that God has given us, he summarizes it all up this way. It's Jesus. It's why we have what we have. It's it's why it's why we're it's it's why we're recognizing him, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ next week. Right? This is why we have what we have today. Right? Because the promise is kept. They're all in him. We have redemption. We've abounded. Abounded. Abounded in Christ. We know his will in one day when God writes the story it's only going to say Jesus next time we meet there's, in this chapter there's one more thing that God's going to give us as an inheritance we don't have time for that today we'll look at that later let me ask you this are the identifying marks of Christ are they in your life When people look at your life whether they realize it or not could it be summed up by saying Jesus Christ. If you're not in Christ today you can be. You can be in Him today. Now Father We're going to stop here this morning. I want to thank you this morning of all of the blessings that you've given us. Of all of the things that we have in Christ. Just the thought that you've given us wisdom and understanding. Just the thought that we could even know your will. And have that, with that desire to accomplish your will that we can know it as well. We thank you that you've done all that you've done out of, the, out of the good pleasure of your own will, that you've purposed it in yourself, and you've desired to do this. I want to thank you this morning, God, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, you've summarized, you're going to summarize everything. And one day this world is going to look at it all. They're they're going to look at our lives. They're going to look at those that have gone on before us. It's all going to be summed up and it's all going to be explained in our parentage, the Lord Jesus Christ, the marks of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that. Father, would you help us to live every day like our Lord Jesus Christ Father there may be somebody here that's not in Christ we ask you today that your Holy Spirit would draw them and that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ even today we thank you for what you've done we thank you for what you're going to do it's not over there's still more to come and it's all because of Christ we thank you for that we thank you in Jesus name Amen. When we stand today, I don't know how the Lord spoken to you. Are you in Christ today? Are you in Christ? When the world looks at your life, are they able to see Jesus? When God summarizes it all up, will you be a part of that summary? in Christ in Christ is God being glorified in your life or does the world just see you but we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. I'm going to... uh, How are we doing this food thing? We're going to pray, and then we'll have to give you a a map. (laughs) (laughs) Because really what that looks like in there is... um,